This is an ABC podcast. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. My dad was a police officer and it was common for him to do night shift. No one in our household looked forward to it. It threw out everybody's routine. Dad would get home when I was getting up. The phone would be taken off the hook before you left. Yes, I'm showing my age. And when you got home from school, the house was dark. You had to tiptoe around and you certainly couldn't have friends over and you certainly couldn't turn on the TV. Shift work disrupts everything. Yes, it may suit some people and some people may have no choice, but more and more research is showing how it can impact your health from bad lifestyle and food choices. But more alarmingly, if you're pregnant and a shift worker, you have a higher rate of having a premature birth. Good morning. My name's Rochelle Hunt, your co-host this morning, Nick Healy, joining you from ABC Shepparton. Nick, I guess... You're a shift worker or a nighttime worker, given the hours you work as the host of ABC Breakfast Shepparton. I've been trying to work that out. I think I do count because my hours are 5.30 to 1.30. So they are definitely not in line with anyone else's hours. And just some of what you were saying rang so true, especially this time of year where I'm going to bed. It's still mildly daylight yes, outside. And kids are running I feel around like, I feel outside. like a toddler who's <laughs> been got in trouble is like, off to bed with you. Um, it does. It throws out even our household sort of dinner has to happen at sort of five, six o'clock at the latest. People might say, do you want to come around for a bite to eat? And I'm like, yes, but I eat the same time as most people's grandparents. Yes. You know, you've got to come up with ways to make it work. It is a complex thing to negotiate socially as well as physically and I think mentally and emotionally too. I had a little bit of surgery just recently and I spent a lot of time with the nurse as I was in the recovery room who was just an incredible woman and we got talking and we ended up in a quite a, a deep conversation about shift work and childcare and she was telling me that as a nurse her and her partner had to make the decision to either change careers or stay in the because he was a doctor or to stay in the industry or the profession that they love and only have one child because oh. as shift workers there was no childcare options for them because childcare operates between the hours of 7:30 a.m. And, and 6 p.m. and unless you've got money for an au pair or a nanny or you've got parents or grandparents that are, are willing and able to do it childcare options for those who are in shift work doesn't exist. That certainly puts my complaint about having dinner too early in a lot of perspective. No, <laughs> no, clearly, no, it's, I mean, it's all it's all relative, <laughs> and no, honestly, it is because it affects everybody's lifestyle, doesn't it? It does, and um, it can often be invisible too. You don't think about if you're not living with someone, you don't have a friend or a family member who works these sort of hours. They're not things you notice. Mm. You go along with your normal nine to five life, which is, you know, increasingly much longer than that. But that's what the world's kind of catered to. By the nature of the hours that these other people are keeping, they tend to be a little invisible, and a lot of their problems are as well. We talk about the nighttime economy like it's a thing that exists, <laughs> and unless you want to eat dinner at a nightclub. <laughs> 
and do your grocery shopping at some kind of dodgy bar. It doesn't really exist. I'm even seeing the hours of my major supermarket where I live go from being late hours, you know, midnight or 24 hours to sometimes quite often shutting at nine o'clock. And I think, wow, how would that work if you worked later hours? So from police officers, nurses, radio hosts, those that work (laughs) in paramedics, you name it, you could work in hospitality. Are you a shift worker and how does it impact your life? On ABC Radio, Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Good morning, Rochelle Hunt here with you in Melbourne. Your co-host this morning joining you from ABC Shepparton, Nick Healy. And we're talking about a growing body of research today into shift workers and how it can impact your life from your health, from your relationships, even down to giving birth. Professor Alex Colley is with you in the studios from the School of Public Health and Preventative Medicine at Monash. University. Before we get into your latest research that looks at premature birth, which is quite alarming, actually, mm-hmm. to be honest, can we define the difference between night shift, like what my dad did as a police officer? I think it was like two weeks on, two weeks off, and shift work. Is there a difference? Yeah, thanks, Rochelle. Lovely to be here. Um, there is a difference. I think they're sort of qualitatively different things, aren't they? So if you if you work a regular shift all the time, it's easier to get into a routine to organise your family life and other things around it. But if that changes all the time, mm. that's really, really challenging. And just listening to you both talk, you know, I mean, a lot of people have had that experience, I think, of living with someone or knowing someone mm. close to them who is a shift worker. It's actually incredibly common, about 2 million Australians. Wow. Wow. Uh, are shift workers, if you read the sort of Strain Bureau of Statistics figures on that. So it's really common across a lot of industries. That's huge. That's yeah. a lot higher than I imagined. Yeah, and that's that's with a definition. Um, um, and Nick would fit into this, I think. If you start before 6 a.m. in the morning or finish your shift after 6 p.m. in the evening, which I guess some of us would consider to be normal daylight sort of hours, that's one definition of a shift worker. And that's the definition, I think, that um, at least one of the ABS studies that I've read uses. So Nick would be a shift worker starting earlier than that. And a lot of people in radio would be, I think, too. Yeah. It's funny, you're right about the consistency. You know, my hours don't change. They are just my hours. And it does mean I can craft what I need to do around that, my gym time, my home time, everything like that. But what I have noticed is it still costs me in terms of my sleep. I, I, I'm a relentless sleep tracker and I know that I average six hours and 11 minutes every single night. Yeah, no, no. I told you, I'm really careful about this. I've been tracking it for years. And that's significantly down from the sleep I was getting when I was doing normal nine to five work. So even though there's a routine there, even though that I can actually make sure that, you know, people know when to call, not when to call, everything like that, it still does have an impact on me physically on some level. Yeah, there's probably many reasons for that, but really what you're having to do is to fit in with society around you. Mm. The rest of the world's operating on a sort of nine-to-five schedule and you have to organise your schedule to fit in with that. And I assume you don't work every day as well, Nick, so there's probably, you know, weekends and things where it shifts a little bit. You don't have to get up quite so early, um, even though you're not on a work shift. So um, 
even people who are in regular shifts still have mm. this sort of fluctuating sort of circadian rhythms and sleep patterns. Isn't yeah. it fascinating that we've got two million workers across the country and yet we still don't cater for those workers and as you know we've mentioned people from the health profession are on frontline but there would be an obscene amount of factory workers as well that work shift work because there's this demand now for us to be able to order anything and have things sent to us around the clock let's have a chat to pete who's in ballarat morning pete g'day rochelle how are you going yeah well what did um, you want to say i run a hotel and I was just, um, I was just kind of ruminating over this. It's, it's not just a matter of being able to pop into the supermarket and, and grab a, um, you know, a, a, some food or something after work. We live in regional Victoria, so we don't have a 24-hour supermarket. We don't have access to 24-hour services like the, the major cities do. And for us, um, the challenges of, of getting a physio appointment or a massage yeah. or a doctor's appointment because of the, the physical toll working really long hours takes on us. I do, you know six days a week i do 14 hours a day um and there and there is an incredible physical toll with that and i i need to see a physio i need to see a massage uh therapist because it it takes its toll on my body so um it's really difficult in this economy where we do work uh really challenging hours we, we can't find somebody a, a doctor that's open at eleven thirty to sit and have a consult we can't talk to a mental health professional we can't you know do any of those things because they're just not available mm. to us in that that, that cycle Pete, huge amount of empathy for you. My aunt and uncle were hoteliers in Ballarat as well for a while, so I, I know you know from them just how hard this can be. It's not even the big appointments. It's little things like finding a 24-hour gym where you can just fit in a regular half-hour workout and things like that. You know, oh, mate, they're I less just, common. Like, you know, they're just not around anywhere. I do 15,000 15, steps a day and, and uh, <laughs> the last thing I want is to work out. He wants a massage. He doesn't want to go and but he hit the weights. Absolutely. Messages on this. Thanks, Pete. Good to hear from you. It says, I'm a shift worker. My daughter is a squad competitive swimmer Ooh, from 5.30am. Go to bed early too as well. I'm worried. And this, it says, you've just triggered me. As a kid, I had to tiptoe around and be shushed by my mum as a little kid when my dad was working for the SEC. Well, it sounds like we might have grown up in the same area. On night shift, I think it's made me a person that won't make a noise and ask for things. That's Paddy from Upway. And then Doris is in Berwick. And Alex, this is interesting to put to you. She says, I worked a job where I had to start at 3am a few days a week for two years. Uh, this is about seven years ago. But to this day, my instinct is to decline dinner parties because I still think I need to be in bed by 6pm, even though I've been working in inverted commas, normal hours for years now. It really has an impact on your life, doesn't it? Yeah, isn't that fascinating? You sort of get into these patterns mm. of behaviour where you really adjust everything about your life around your work and then for that to persist for so long, yeah, that's uh, well, that's probably not unusual. I'd be really interested to hear from mm. other people who've had similar experiences and I did want to comment on one of those texts as well. I actively discouraged my kids from swimming for that exact reason. <laughs> I didn't want to be getting up at 4am and driving them to the pool somewhere because I had a friend when I was young who did that. And yeah, My was... cousin did it and, yes, I must admit I got some emails from the school saying, anyone interested in swimming squad? I'm like, mm, I might just not see that email. I think that's too early for people to get up. <laughs> we just got another call in. Peter in Gippsland. Peter, you were a shift worker for a while, were you? Oh, uh, yeah. Hi there. Um, I worked 10 years in hospital pathology uh, two weeks on night shift and then two weeks day shift. Night, night shift I worked from 11 o'clock at night till 7 o'clock in the morning. 
Um, even even some day shifts, I finish at 11 o'clock at night as well. So I, I really... Um, Peter, yeah. I was going to say, Peter, that two weeks on, two weeks off must have absolutely messed with any systems you could have had going. It really did, yeah. Yeah, Peter, Alex, yeah, I wanted to ask you about that transition from night shift to day shift and how you, how hard you found that. Mm. What, was it really difficult to sort of get into any rhythm and what impact did it have on your sort of the people around you as well? Uh, you'd, you'd come home from night shift and, well, I would, and... I, you know, I'd feel really tired and I'd sleep solidly initially and then I'd wake up at about 11 o'clock in the morning and then I'd be awake all day and then I'd try to uh, get back to sleep and, yeah, it's just, it was just impossible for me. So really, towards the end, it really um, affected me mentally um, uh, to... I can think of at least twice uh, driving home in, in country Victoria where I woke up on the wrong side of the road. Oh. And, yeah, yeah, and, and that was it in the end. Oh, my goodness. Oh, um, Peter, that's just sent yeah. chills through my entire body and safety of our health, sleep. This is why, I mean, uh, there's messages here saying, I actually think workplaces need to take more responsibility in mm. this area. I mean, Peter, he's woke, woken up in the car on the wrong side of the road. Yeah, safety's a really big issue. And we have a whole a massive industry in this country where shift work while um, driving vehicles is something that's pretty common in truck drivers. You know, And they, they do report the sort of things that Peter was just talking about, about safety issues with fatigue, and those mental health problems and other health problems associated with being in that sort of job, uh, really, really challenging for those people. And so many industries around who actually does shift work and night work and probably many that I hadn't even thought of. I'm a farmer. I work all sorts of odd hours uh, due to the seasons in the winter to the summer. It's so different working anywhere from 8 to 20 hours a day in summer hours long to make people understand that is almost impossible. That's, that's from Henry and another says at one stage of my life I work in motel reception yes you know oh, when you actually wow. you, when you go into a motel it's been a long time for me since I've checked into a, a motel <laughs> or a hotel unfortunately <laughs> but it would be like in the middle of the night and there's someone there all sprightly and made up and it's you know 4am so there's motel reception but this is an interesting one and we'll get to this in just a moment it says I was a shift worker in the emergency department I had a premature baby. You've just made me realise that maybe that didn't help. I don't work in ED or do shift work anymore due to the work-life balance and mental health. So do you do shift work? What sort of impact has it had on you, whether it be emotionally or physically? This is The Conversation Hour. On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Michelle Hunty with you. Melbourne, Nick Healy is your co-host this morning from ABC Shepparton and also in the studio, Professor Alex Colley, who's from the School of Public Health and Preventative Medicine at Monash University. And in Nick, in just a moment, we'll get into some of the research that Alex has been looking into when it comes to premature birth. And some of, some of that information is quite alarming. Very alarming. And, and look, we're hearing from a lot of people talking about the various industries they've worked mm. in and what that's been like. And I know that many people texting in, you know, we've been talking about the impact it has on health. A lot of people saying it has a real impact on family, on bonding, on getting to spend time together. Uh, Christine's called in from Curham Downs. Christine, good morning. Good morning. I used you, to do shift work for 
I did a season of shift work doing tomato paste and it was three months on, 12 night, twelve hour shift, seven days a week, no days off for three to four months. And I quit my other job to do this so that we could get money for a house, which it did, but my family life, you could forget it. We just, we ate, slept and worked. Oh, alarm bells are ringing everywhere there for me, Christine, mm. in terms of um, uh, workplace relations and what is allowed and isn't because, I mean, I think that well and truly falls beyond um, night shift. Yeah, Christine, it's a, it sounds like a, you're working pretty hard and it's, a, mm. it's an interesting experience. Shift work often comes with other um, things related to your work, other risks to your health, like it sounds like you're working very long hours there as well. Mm. Um, in a pretty physical job, by the sounds of it. Um, so yeah, look often, after yourself. Yeah. yeah, often we see shift work going with those other things too. The text that we read out before from an emergency department nurse who said, "What you've just said has been a little bit of an alarm bell for me." And actually, a friend of mine had that same alarm bell. She had a premature baby, also worked in shift work, and went, "Oh, I didn't put the two together." Alex, tell us a little bit about the research that you've done with shift work and prem babies yeah thanks rochelle so we we looked at every published study we could find around the world over the last 30 or 40 years and did what's called a systematic review where we pull all that data into a single study and look to see what that body of evidence tells us in this case we looked at lots of different physical demands at work and shift work was one of the sort of features of this and what we found was that there was a there was pretty good evidence what we call moderate evidence of a relationship between doing shift work while you're pregnant and giving birth before 37 weeks of gestation, which is how the World Health Organization defines premature or preterm birth. Alex, you say evidence of a connection, but have we got some sense of why this might be occurring? Uh, there's a, there's a, we've got a couple of theories as to why. A lot, so what we do in these sorts of studies is we, we bring information together from lots of other published studies and they don't often um, have the information that we're looking for. So we can say this connection exists and we've got two theories really as to why um, we're seeing it. One is the sorts of things we've been talking about is, you know, shift work changes your sleep patterns and that can have some sort of physiological effect and that might put women at higher risk of preterm birth. And the second sort of theory is that is something I just mentioned is that shift work often comes with other things in people's lives and the people that do shift work may have other risk factors for preterm birth um, as well. Things like um, we often see shift workers working in lower paid jobs, um, not always, but often, and that means that they might not be able to afford the sorts of things that can um, contribute to their health and the health of their babies, like nutrition, access to food, you know, healthcare, those sorts of things. So, and again, these studies that we pull don't always allow us to tease these things apart. So that's something we're hoping to, or we are embarking on trying to find out a bit more precisely why we're seeing this link over the next couple of years. How much of that then falls back to, again, an earlier text saying workplaces need to take more responsibility here if you are pregnant and on your feet a lot, depending on the sort of work that you're doing? I mean, we're getting lots of messages saying, I'm, and we expected this to, right, nurses, that nurses are yeah. classic shift workers and saying, well, I actually hadn't put the two together. Do you, as a worker, have a right to say, look, whilst I'm pregnant, can I not be on shift work? Or, you know, what rights do women have yeah well i think you absolutely have that right to have the conversation with your employer and 
that's really the main implication from this study is we think uh, employers who have pregnant women should be having those conversations with them. And the, you know, the good news here is that most of these sorts of um, things are modifiable, right? So it is possible to change someone's shift for the period that they're pregnant or to put them on a, you know, a single day shift rather than having them yeah. rotate. So these, these risks can be avoided just with um, some sort of sensible engagement and discussions between employers and, and their staff. Yeah. had a lot of people working in medicine texting in, um, Rochelle and Alex, and I, I just this anonymous one says, from a nurse, you might do one or two nights, that's fine, but three or more absolutely sucks. And if you don't do nights, if you haven't had to work this way, you just don't get it. We've got Duncan on the line from Geelong. Duncan, you're a truckie. Yeah, yeah. So we sort of have a bit of a rotating shift. And so we might do three or four weeks of day shift and then we'll go to a night shift. But the night shift will be anywhere from 12 to maybe 16 hours on night shift. And then you'll do four. Last time I did five nights in a row of that and then it's on the day shift. Uh, Luckily, last time I was able to have two days off, you normally have one day off and then back on on the day shift just to try and keep you in the swing of things. But... uh, yeah, four or five nights in a row where you're doing sort of 60, 70 hours driving through Melbourne. No, uh, yeah, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> mate, mate, how are you feeling at the end of just a couple yeah. of shifts? I mean, you must be wrecked. Uh, look, to be honest, you're sort of getting, trying to get, you get sort of five, six hours sleep and then you're huh. back at work. So you don't really, you get, you get used to it, I guess. There's a lot of research that's been done, though, Duncan, on the health of truck drivers um, because you work these kind of crazy hours and bizarre shifts. And once upon a time, we actually had proper rest stops, right, where you could rest, you could have a nice home-cooked meal. They've just sort of morphed into convenience shops where you're lucky to get a lukewarm sausage roll and a big M, <laughs> you know. So has it had an... Imp- you're 100% right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's what's happened. And I know, especially when we go out on the highways... Um, I mean, it's hard because you, you've got you terrible food, you, and then you go to the restaurants. Uh, you've got a lot of like dirty toilets, dirty, even just the tables, the chairs, mm-hmm. just a terrible environment. And then you've also got the battle of I know a lot of of my mates who do interstate. You know, you, you're fighting with caravans and cars and all the other trucks just to find a car park or a truck stop to pull into sometimes. Gosh. Um, so, I know. Yeah, we saw of- we saw the... Re- like, we had a bit of a reality check at the beginning of COVID, right, of the, how... We took truck drivers for granted, Duncan, oh. and because our world kind of stopped and we relied on you guys so much. And the way, to be honest, the way that you're treated, it's appalling. It, it really is. Just finally, Duncan, has it had an impact on your life emotionally, um, you know, in terms of relationships or family or whatever, your social life? How does it impact you working those kind of hours? Um, well, it's a bit hard because I've, I've got a young child at home too, which... Thankfully, my partner's been really supportive and she sort of keeps him occupied while I'm trying to sleep during the day. Um, but, yeah, when... It, and it doesn't really matter whether it's night shift or day shift. Basically, because you, you spend a lot of time on your own and unless you have a conversation with a mate on the phone or something, 
you're in your own head a lot. So we, if you're, you know, you're not getting enough sleep, you're not getting enough yeah. of good food, and you don't get a lot of exercise either. In no, a gosh. lot of not painting a good picture of being a truck driver. No, yeah, don't get it impacts your mental health. In. Yeah. yeah. The work, as, as you were saying, Rochelle, like we learnt just how incredibly essential they were. And someone else has texted in saying, my partner works in heavy industry, 24 hours, seven days a week, all year. He's a rotating shift worker, uh, works weekends, works Christmas. It's so hard for the family. And I think that goes to what Duncan was just saying. Yeah. And Alex, you've done a lot of work with truck drivers, haven't you? We have. And yeah, there's so much in what Duncan was just saying. It really reflected all of the main themes that we... Uh, observed in this really long study we just wrapped up called Driving Health, which is about the health of truck drivers. Um, and I guess um, the way I have talked about that is it's a, it's a job that has almost every possible um, health risk factor at work. So it's got sleep deprivation, long working hours, social isolation, like Duncan was talking about, spending a long time by yourself. Yeah, as he said, like um, you spend a long time in your head. Yeah, can't get access to good food, it's difficult to exercise, you know, you get separated for long hour periods from your family and your close connections. So it is a really, really, really tough job. And increasingly what we're seeing is um, a focus in Australia on the mental health of truck drivers. There are a few organisations now really trying to help the trucking industry or the transport industry with driver mental health. One three hundred triple two seven seven four is our number. If you're a shift worker, maybe previously you were a shift worker, or maybe there's someone in your house that is a shift worker. How does it impact you? And in just a tick, we'll go deeper into the impacts of sleep as well. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Shift work, we've had calls from hospitality, truck drivers, we've got texts from those who work in the theatre industry, motels, of course, our nurses, our doctors, our police officers, two million Australians are (laughs) shift workers and yet for whatever reason... They are just not supported. This message, it says, the best part about hearing this conversation is that I realise I'm not alone in the way that I feel about working, nursing, shift work. Sleep's a huge part of it too, Nick, isn't it, when we talk about shift work and how that impacts us. Dr Jade Murray is from the Turner Institute for Brain and Mental Health and has been researching sleep and is actually developing an app to help shift workers regulate their sleep. Jade, a warm welcome to the Conversation Hour. I knew this would be an important conversation, but until we started to speak to people and see the texts coming in, I actually didn't realise how, to be honest, just how important this is. Tell us a little bit about the work that you've been doing. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for having me. And you're absolutely right. Um, This is exceptionally important. And in some of the work that we've been doing in working with shift workers, uh, you really do begin to get a sense of just how incredibly difficult it is for them uh, and how much more is required in order to offer them support. And so in developing this app, we worked uh, quite uh, a lot with the nurses and shift workers to determine exactly what it was that they felt they needed. And essentially what we determined was that although over time we've come to realise how we need to implement Uh, interventions to help improve uh, the outcomes for shift workers, really there was nothing that was very personalised for Mm. them. And and so this app uh, that we're working on is about providing a personalised intervention for shift workers whereby it 
users their own sort of inputs to things like their very specific work schedule, um, their preferred sleep and wake times, their social commitments and engagements and, you know, household engagements. But also we have you know, a specialised algorithm that helps, uh, that uses light information and all their other information and inputs to help determine the best sleep and wake time You are talking next language. <laughs> oh, I'm very <laughs> excited about this, Jade. No, I am so excited about this. Because we're always told, and I, I'm a bit obsessive about sleep and, the, and what it does to us physically. I read up on it, I track my sleep, I've experimented with splitting my sleep and doing polyphasic sleeping. I'm really into it. And the thing we're told is it can Consistency is what matters. But as Rosemary, who's texted in, says, you know, I've got a friend who works FIFO in WA. I've lived in a FIFO town. Rosemary, this is very familiar to me. She works two weeks on, one week off. Mm. And then for the two weeks on, one's a week of day shifts and one's a week of night shifts. I mean, that is nearly impossible to find that consistency. So what you're saying, Jade, is with the app, it's more about finding, uh, I guess, that personal way that is highly individualised to maximise the sleep. Exactly, yes. And whilst, you know, we would argue that we also need to still manage uh, roster rotations and have implementation of good rosters uh, where that's not the case or where there are particular roster rotations that can't be changed, we can offer through the app uh, an improved sleep opportunity uh, managing that particular rotation and the personal inputs of the individual as well. Hi, Jade. Uh, Alex here, also from Monash University. Lovely to talk to you. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm, a, I'm just listening to you speak. I wonder, is, is it all about getting one really good um, period of sleep or is it, yeah, for an individual, is it possible to have that broken up into sort of multiple sleeps during the day, just thinking about how some other cultures mm-hmm. handle sleep with yeah, naps and things in the middle of the day? Yeah. Is it to that I- level of individuality? Yeah, ideally for, you know, any for a human, we would sleep our one sleep bout at night that aligns nicely with our circadian rhythms and allows us to get the best quality sleep because all the signalling from our circadian system is telling us we should be sleeping. For shift workers, obviously, that's much more difficult. Um, and so for that reason, really maximising the amount of sleep you get, uh, whether that has to be in bouts Uh, is critical and that's not just for health that's also then for safety as well we don't want shift workers going off to work having only had a couple of hours sleep when they could have had an opportunity to nap closer to their shift uh, and potentially prevented motor vehicle accidents workplace accidents all of those sorts of things Jane, I'm so glad you mentioned the safety aspect of it because I know we're concentrating a lot on people's individual physical, mental health, their their environmental, um, you know, and emotional kind of health. But that work safety element is a huge deal and I'm always surprised that workplaces that need shift workers don't have that more forefront. You know, we hear tales of people doing a night shift going home to start early morning the next day. I mean, I'm amazed that scheduling doesn't take this into account or there isn't maybe even more regulation around what Mm. can and can't be done. Yeah, absolutely agreed. And, uh, yeah, some of, some of the things you see and hear make you cringe a little bit um, from the safety element of it and that, you know, our shift workers are putting not only themselves at risk uh, regularly and frequently but others as well. 
Uh, and yeah. I, I do agree that perhaps more regulation is something that's necessary. How can people get their hands on, aka Nick, this app? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, at, at this stage, it's still uh, under development. Okay. Um, so we've run. Well, if a you need a guinea pig, you got a bloke over here. Oh yeah, yes. uh, hands up, <laughs> but, hands up. Yes. Yeah, so it's not available commercially at this point. Uh, but if you were, yeah, if you want to test the app, um, you can certainly reach out to us and uh, become part of the testing group. Um, and yeah, amazing. So yeah. if people just Google Turner Institute uh, Sleep App, they'll find yep. they'll find information Let's about think. it. Yes. Yes. Incredible. Jade, it's so great. It's, I mean, because the worry with talking about this is you highlight all of the problems. I mean, on one hand, some people love shift work, right? We've got texts saying, mm. I've been a tram and train and bus driver, absolutely love my work. But we want to know that there's solutions around there. So whether it be, Jade, your app or regulations or some form to make it work, because we're going to need shift workers. It's not like we can just say, well, let's ban shift working. So, Jade, thank you. Thanks for your time. My pleasure. Dr. Jade Murray from the Turner Institute for Brain and Mental Health. You can Google their name and look at Sleep Up. Alex, can I put this back to you? It says here, um, in relation to sleep, it says, I'm a midwife, I work night, starting 9.30 at night, finishing at 7.30 in the morning. I constantly feel like I have jet lag. I'm tired at work, then I can't sleep properly during the day. After a run of night shifts, I find it hard to get to sleep at night again. When I have annual leave, it takes me weeks to feel, in inverted commas, normal. On another issue, regular meal times and toilet habits. On a night shift, we usually graze on sugary and fatty foods. We don't take proper meal breaks and we don't eat properly. My bowels get confused too. Mm. That's from Deborah. And it's easy to say, oh, okay, so your bowels get confused. But that's serious, right? Like, your bowels need to function properly. Yeah, Yeah. and we know that nursing is a really high-risk occupation for health complaints. I mean, in the UK, there was a sort of a long uh, review um, a few years ago in the National Health Service over there about um, some of the... um, issues with weight and nutrition and other things that nurses were experiencing in their hospitals over there. For those reasons, it's hard to get access to the things that we're used to during the day, like just good quality food, sleep habits change. It really does affect every part of your life. And how often have you been in a hospital late at night and all you've got is the vending machine? No, the vending yeah. machine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the cafes, in, even in hospitals, are only open for daylight hours right normally and so see once upon a time depending on your shift work so my mum this was a she was worked for a major newspaper as the night so she worked shift work but she was the nighttime cook for staff so major newspaper in this country and there was very very cheap subsidized meals like five bucks for a homemade Uh meal and that people workers that were working shift in order for that newspaper to get out would go and get a really cheap home-cooked meal i don't know whether that still happens or not i'd totally forgotten about that to be honest i don't think anything like that happens at all might go to ian from wagania ian's on the line ian you did shift work for what nearly 30 years correct yes i did what happened how how did you survive that um so the factory that we're we're talking about we won't mention the factory um they run several different rosters, but pretty much the way it works is if you work at that factory, the standard roster is you do 
one day, one week of afternoon shift. The next week you'll do night shift, and then the week after that you'll do day shift. And that in that in that's an eight. They're eight-hour shifts, so day shifts seven till three, afternoon shifts three till eleven, and then night shifts eleven till seven in the morning. Um, most of the lines run those shifts, but occasionally, um, if they're short on product, they run a seven-day roster, which is where you work 12-hour 12, 12 shifts, and those shifts are different. That's where you work, say you'll work seven in the morning until seven at night for two days. This is becoming a running theme, off. isn't it? A bit of worker exploitation in terms of hours. It's becoming quite common. Yeah, sorry, Ian, keep going. Then you'll have two days off, and then you'll work two 12-hour night shifts which is seven at night until seven in the morning and then you'll have two days off and you'll go back and you rock through those. It works out you get every second weekend off but you're constantly changing shifts every few days and you'll get a day or two in between to have a break and get used to the changeover. Now, they do pay well in a regional area for that Mm. but it comes at a cost. It comes at a cost of uh, mental health. Um, it comes of cost at relationships. For example, while I was doing it, I think I was a bit of a monster when I was on on that the seven day roster. Um, it's still I still don't sleep properly at night. So yeah, yeah it, it'll it take well, and it it might have paid for my house and and a lifestyle, but at the same time, I'm not sure that's worth it. And then t- what I've heard is is that well, I know it's fact is that the, that current factory is pushing to make the twelve hour roster. Voluntary, or not voluntary. Um, mandatory. mandatory. And, oh gosh, so many alarm bells there. Alex, there, as I just said, there's a little bit of exploit, a running theme of exploitation and pushing workers beyond their limits and what's actually legally allowed. Um, yeah, I, I think um, probably Ian's situation is it's not unique. Um, mm. I'd imagine there'd be industry-based awards and things that define what an employer is allowed to do in in certain situations. A lot of that would be like by negotiation with trade unions and those sorts of things. I wanted to ask Ian if he feels that that thirty years, I think you said, if that had a long term has had a long term impact on his in his health. Or is he gone? Yep, Sorry, we've lost <laughs> Ian. Apologies. Well, the reason for the reason for asking was because there is a lot of. Um, evidence, a lot of published research showing that shift works, particularly those who do that sort of thing for a long period of time, are at higher risk of chronic diseases like type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, some sorts of cancers and things. So it's, you know, we shouldn't, we should take that into consideration, I think, when we're encouraging people to work those shifts for long periods of their working life, be aware of those, you know, potential long-term health impacts on them as well. This, most of my family are shift workers. My father was an airline pilot, my mum was a hostie, my brother a pilot, my sister, daughter and niece are all nurses. I've worked in customer care at the airport for the airlines when my dad retired at the age of 60. His doctor told him it would be two to five years before his circadian rhythm regulated. My shifts tend to start early with the start time moving later to most days. I love my job. After four days off, I come back onto late shifts, nothing to eat at a reasonable price for staff at the airport. Currently, I'm over 40 years at the airport that's from Prue. food is a really big part of it just not being able to get access to good food you'd think that would be one thing that we would be able to sort out this is the conversation hour 
on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Rochelle Hunt with you in Melbourne. Nikhili, your co-host this morning, joining you from ABC Shepparton. And throughout the hour in the studio, Professor Alex Colley from the School of Public Health and Preventative Medicine at Monash University. Before we have a quick chat to Alan Hoopo, who works in executive coaching and HR, Nick, are you surprised by the sheer number of people that this impacts Yet for whatever reason, it feels like <laughs> nothing has changed. Like lots of people saying, oh, my God, you just triggered my lifestyle. Yeah. I, completely surprised. I would have thought in the last, you know, at the very least the last two decades, we would have seen, I think, more of a focus on the health of workers, more of an understanding going back to that safety aspect as well. I would have thought it just behooved businesses economically to be better about how workers are scheduled. I'm really shocked that people are saying, yeah, that's what it was like 30 years ago, 40 years ago, and we're hearing the same stories from people who are getting off shift work right now. If anything, it's got worse, right? (laughs) Not better, because at least, like, now that I sort of remember my mum cooking beautiful meals for people that would work shift work, we once realised, okay, well, these are the hours that you work, but it doesn't mean you don't want a nutritious meal for dinner. So whether you're a truck driver or you're working in a, a, a factory, all of those small things have gone. Alan Hooper is, he, is an executive coach and HR consultant. Alan, do workplaces, I mean, my focus, Nick's focus always goes to sleep, right? Mine always goes to food. So between us, we've got both things covered here. Should workplaces, at least if you're working shift work, provide an option for a healthy meal? Look, I think when the thing that workplaces want to think about is, you know, are we getting good quality talent in and working for us? You know, do we have enough people to do what we need to do? There's a lot of professions that we think about that work, shift work, particularly in health and emergency services, where those organisations really struggle to find the amount of people that they need to actually just do the work. Um, and I, th- I like to think of it in two ways. I think organisations can work out if they're going to solve the symptoms to this program and that up to this problem and that might mean things like can we provide good quality food, Um, can we provide education and support with sleep Mm. but really good employers who really want to be the place where employees choose to work will try to solve the problem in a much more innovative and holistic way. So how's our business set up? Can we make any changes to the way that our operation runs? You know, what would be really innovative and inventive about how we're rostering people and how we're using people um, so that we can kind of solve these problems at their source? Now... I was just going to say, it feels like, you know, when we're talking to the people who, the way they're treated at work, it feels like we've devalued our shift workers culturally. Yeah. And that's what led us to this, despite the fact we're talking about absolutely essential industries and that's what we saw in the pandemic wasn't it that the Mm -hmm. i think the pandemic was such a beautiful time i know that i felt like my my work was so silly yeah i know what you're saying (laughs) yeah Yeah. in comparison to we actually got really clear on the work that we needed to be done to to keep our society functioning and a lot of that work is done by shift workers um And it's quite interesting, I think we've seen employees and people during the pandemic, you know, all of our work was disrupted in the pandemic, Mm. even if in health, some people did far more um, dangerous hard work, um, and some of us did, you know, our work was changed in a way that made it 
less, but lots of people come out of that really thinking about what's important to me. How do we look at rostering and making rostering healthier, for want of a better words, when we also know for so many industries and many of which that we've covered today have huge staff shortages. So as a result, we're seeing people work longer hours and take on more shifts out of sheer necessity and nursing in particular. And we saw that that was just horrific throughout the, the, the middle of the pandemic when nurses were talking about just doing double shifts and picking mm. up extra shifts. So how do we do better rostering if we simply don't have enough staff? Yeah, absolutely. And so many of these problems are so complex because, you know, we, as you um, both said, we set up kind of systems and processes 30 years, 50 years, 100 years ago, and then we kind of keep building rules around them. So enterprise agreements, industrial arrangements, they do make this problem difficult to solve. And so it means it's even more important for us to really think outside the box. I suspect a lot of these problems need to be solved at an industry-wide level. So, um, Yeah, thank you very much for that because I do think we need to take a look at it across the industry, not just the individual employers. Um, and I do hope that, you know, as you were just saying, we are seeing that shift. Um, Ellen Hooper, Executive Coach, HR Consultant as well. On the line, Dave in Roville. Dave, good morning. Oh, uh, hi. You've been a public transport driver. Uh, yeah, I'm just um, finishing up, really, and I've uh, done, like, 16 years of uh, shift work on public transport. And what's that uh, been like? Yeah, I was going to say, how does that impact you? Because, I mean, I know I live very close to a train station, and over the weekends, the trains run 24 hours, and when I hear that train beeping at 2 in the morning, I actually it doesn't bother me, but the thing I think is, wow, someone's driving that train. Like, how does it impact your life, Dave? Well, I mean, it really impacts your life. Like, you know, going, you know, you might start work at 3 p.m. on Christmas Day or something. That's not normal, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Some people might be happy about that, depending on the Christmas that they want to escape, Dave. Well, you know, I feel like I've survived, look at it that way, but um, it's not easy. And, uh, you know, I really enjoy your conversation on this because the health effects and, um, and the effect on family life and everything is quite, devastating depending on the nature of the shift work i reckon ours was pretty disruptive and you know the crucial things to me were the minimum breaks between shifts you've got to have a decent amount of time before you have to start work again um and uh also as an older worker um you know, there was no plan to get out of the industry, no transition to retirement. There, <clears throat> there was a segment in our agreement that no one had done anything about it mm. ever since the Gillard government. You had worked in it for decades. Just finally, Dave, did you did you want to get out? Did it get too tricky once you were sort of in? Did you feel like you could break out of shift work? Uh, yeah, look, I definitely wanted to get out and I wanted to uh, reduce my hours at the end of it. But what I was offered as part-time was five days a week for half a day every day, and it could could include weekends. So it was spread over the whole seven days. Yeah, it doesn't really help, does it? Yeah, when you're still pretty much working every day. Dave, thank you for sharing that. Let's bring Trevor Chappell into this (laughs) conversation. Of course, he'll be on your wireless this afternoon. But you're here now during the day, Trev. Once upon a time... 
you were here, you'd arrive at what, 11 at night? Yep. Work through all night? Till six and then 20 leave. years you did that? Yeah, 20 years, 23 years. It, it's in, listening to the conversation, I considered myself to be a night worker. Yeah. Um, maybe different to a shift worker because I think shift workers, if you have to work different times at different days, I think that's a lot harder than having a regular time that you work in. But I remember asking you about this when we were talking sleep that not that long mm. ago, Trevor, and you, you did point out that you just had to get sleep whenever you could. Like, yeah. it was having an impact on you for, what, two decades? Yeah, I think it has an impact, but I think it's much harder when you do a rotating shift and mm. you have to change uh-huh. and you have the time in between those changes to be able to adapt your habits. And if you have the same shift over and over again, then you can work those habits and those sleep times into your job. And given that you got used to it, and as a surfer, right, you would have found a way to make it really work for you. And I say this in all seriousness, there would come a downside to you now working the day where you must be thinking, man, how am I going to get a surf in? How am I going to... Because you can create a lifestyle that works for you. Simone in North Fitzroy says, I was a palliative care night nurse for many years. I loved night duty. I had the best sleep during the daytime. I had trouble sleeping at night. I'm now retired. I'm a total night owl. There's actually a few of us out there why are some people like this? There's yeah. some benefits. No, no, there are benefits. And if you do have that regular sleep times that you work to, it means that you've got time during the day to be able to do things that you want to do. And some of those things might be at times when there are more people who are the ones that work during the day. I, there are definitely benefits, but again, it's that difference between working a rotating shift and having a regular shift. I'm just listening to this conversation thinking <laughs> that we should study radio Oh, no. We're <laughs> a crazy lot. <laughs> There's a lot going on in the, in the studio. It's just right. You should see how we're talking about food. If you come into work on a Monday morning, the vending machine is stripped bare, right? Like locusts have been in. There might be one beef jerky that's kind of hanging there that someone's tried to get out. So between overnights, between the you know our sport team, there is there is a world. I wouldn't recommend studying radio hosts, though. No. Alex, there's been so many texts and people wanting information on this from the study that you've done on premature birth and shift work. Can people access that? I mean, we know it's been published, so people probably just throw that into their search engine. They can throw that into the search engine. It's available online, so you can read the whole study um, published by that particular scientific journal. Um, so if you type in Monash University preterm birth shift work, you'll find it, I think, into any of the major sort of search engines. Yeah. And for the sleep app, lots of people have been asking about the sleep app. That was the Turner Institute sleep app, so you can throw that mm, into your mm. search engine and well, and potentially um, you know, become a, a part of that trial. Thank you so much for your time today and all of these studies that you do because it's so important, as you said at the beginning, two million Australians are shift workers and I think you're right, Nick, in saying that I feel like as a society we've kind of undervalued shift workers and we sort of consider them to be lesser workers for whatever reason and yet they are our most vital (laughs) without all of the industries that we've heard from today. Our society just wouldn't function. So, Alex, thanks so much. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Do you feel different now, Trev, that you work during the days? Do you feel like more awake? No. Uh, I should say yes to that. Do you feel healthier? I No. I really enjoyed the job that I did and working at night. I really enjoyed this job. I just see it as being something that is just different. 
and that you sleep at different times, that you operate in a different way. But as I said, I was lucky in the mm. job that I did. If you're the people that get up and are cleaning offices, starting at midnight, finishing at 6, 7 o'clock in the morning or starting mm. at 10, that's way different to being a radio presenter. Can I show you one thing I've noticed? Your complexion, your skin colour looks different. Really? Since you've been working days. Oh, is that... <laughs> in a good way. Oh, a good way? Yeah. I was a little bit worried then. Healthier. <laughs> Maybe. Am I looking healthier? Yeah. Oh, thank you. You've lost the overnight's power. You've lost the overnight... <laughs> I didn't realise there was a power or a vibe. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Healy, as always, joining us from ABC Shepparton. Thank you, mate. I'll speak to you tomorrow.